My name's Liam. I'm one of the ministers here at St. Michael's, and I'm here to bring us the next instalment of our series, uh, Living as God's Image. We're focusing on the topic of marriage. Um, You may have questions uh, about tonight's sermon. I encourage you to write them down, uh, and hopefully um, you'll get some answers. Um, But let's, um, uh, let's kick off in looking at this topic Um, One of my all-time favourite films is Jerry Maguire. I sadly am a Tom Cruise tragic. Uh, Jerry's a sports agent for an NFL player. uh, And on the night the player um, he represents has a career-defining game, um, it means success for him. But then Jerry realises a bit of sadness because he has no one dear to him to share the occasion with and he realises he wants to share it with his wife who he's been separated from. So he leaves the stadium and he heads straight to her place and while she's um, in the middle of hosting a book club so there's a bunch of women and he rocks up and he just blurts out ramblings Um, but the punchline he gets to when he's looking at his estranged wife, he says, I love you. You complete... I was hoping someone might say it. You complete me. I've I've totally ruined it as well. There we go. And her response was this. Shut up. Just... Okay, I might be maybe doing it not the quiet way, but she says, shut up, just shut up. You had me at hello. Oh, oh my goodness. (laughs) Um, now, for the romantics among us, you might, oh man, that's, that's your cup of tea. Uh, for the less romantic among us, that's what makes you want to throw up, doesn't it? Well, it doesn't matter how you feel about that quote. It's probably safe to say romantic relationships and marriage is such a big deal to our society. There's so many films, so many shows, so many novels, pop songs, obsessed with people falling in love and getting together. And if they're not about people falling in love and getting together, they're definitely about people getting rid of the person they fell in love with and finding someone who is much, much better. That's what our culture and our hearts, we have riding on, relationships. And so the question I want to ask today is why on earth are we so consumed? You know, why um, are we so um, devoted to relationships and trying to find that special someone? And to think, and to think that a marriage partner will complete us? I mean, that's, that is a huge expectation on our spouses or desired spouses. And I think as well for you who would love to be married and you've never been married, you can maybe feel like you are missing out. And maybe part of your growing up or experience is actually marriage has been incredibly damaging, incredibly hurtful. Maybe parents have divorced, and maybe you've been divorced. And so there's great disappointment. Um, I want to look at why relationships are so important, especially in the marriage relationship to us as humans. But first of all, it's probably good to speak about what actually is marriage because... Um, this is pretty controversial because our society in terms of our nation's laws will want to say that 
something different to what the Bible says. Um, when we think of the biblical view of marriage, um, Christopher Ashe has got this excellent book. If you, if you get a copy of Christopher Ashe's Ash books, uh, Marriage, um, forgot, it's excellent. But this is his definition. It's a, bit, it's a bit wordy, but I hope we can kind of unpack it. He says this about marriage. It's God-given, it's voluntary, sexual and public social union of one man and one woman from different families for the purpose of serving God. So let's unpack that a bit. Marriage is between a man and a woman. Of course, our law recognises same-sex marriage, um, but in, the, in God's sight, marriage is between one man and one woman. And that, that might be difficult for you to hear that, so definitely write those questions. But the marriage relationship is a public relationship. It's where a man and a woman um, promise before others, witnesses, to be faithful to one another until one of them dies. And so de facto relationships, yes, they have elements of marriage, but when a man and a woman live and cohabit together, they're never ever quite clear on what have, what have I actually committed to. It's ambiguous. But in marriage, there's no such uncertainty. You have pledged before witnesses to be faithful to one another until you die. And so today, that's how we think of marriage. Um, And so I want us to now understand marriage looking at two points. And the first point is this. Human marriage points to the ultimate marriage. Human marriage points to the ultimate marriage. The surprising, and, and I think good news of what the Bible says, is actually human marriage was never the end goal. Which actually um, uh, really challenges us. Yes, it's a gift from God. But human marriage actually points to something far better and far greater. That's um, in that Ephesians 5. If you don't have it open, have it open at 1176 in the Pew Bible. But Paul talks about this profound mystery And you might be thinking the profound mystery is to work out what your spouse is thinking or why does my husband keep leaving the toilet seat up? And I'm not talking about my issues at home anyway, but that's not the profound mystery. The mystery is that marriage points to the ultimate marriage between Jesus and his bride, the church, between God and his people. See verse 31. Of chapter 5, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. Uh, Human marriage points to the beautiful union between Jesus and his bride, his flawed and sinful bride that he's made beautiful. And this Uh, passage in in Ephesians is quoting right from Genesis. We saw that earlier when Jude read it out, but it's a quote from the very first page of the Bible when Adam and Eve got together right back then. It always pointed forward to write, to to, to see Jesus and the church as the ultimate. Um, Here's another movie you've probably never watched, The Prestige. Um, Two magicians having an intense, fierce rivalry, both seeking to outdo each other. Robert's trying to understand how Alfred, the other magician, does his tricks. So what does he do? He gets hold of his diary, 
But the diary, which is supposed to explain the tricks, the secrets, is enciphered, and so you need a code, a keyword. And once he has the keyword, then he can understand the mystery behind the tricks. The key to understanding human marriage is the keyword, is the gospel. Now, we think, well, to understand human marriage is about communication, it's about conflict resolution. Yeah, that, they're all important, but actually the key to understanding and living out marriage is the gospel because the gospel is actually the ultimate love story. A love story of how Jesus Christ unites himself with sinful, flawed human beings, which is incredible. Why would the God of the universe want to unite himself to his rebellious creatures? That's the message of the gospel. And it goes to the extent that Christ uh, had to die to make the sinful church holy and blameless because of his blood. To commit himself exclusively and permanently to the church. When we understand the gospel, we realise actually human marriage is definitely not the goal. It points to the goal and looks forward. So I want to say this, and maybe this might be disappointing. Human marriage is simply a shadow. It's a great shadow, done well, but it's temporary. And I think actually that's good news, because when it's done bad, where do you hope? Where do you look for? Uh, Human marriage is not the ultimate thing, and it shouldn't be the ultimate thing in your life. It's a gift, But it points to the most important relationship and that is to look to Jesus for all your hopes and dreams and not the spouse. And when you see Jesus is the fulfilment of your hopes and dreams, it'll actually make your marriage better because you're not expecting that from your flawed spouse. But maybe you're here and you're a little bit damaged by marriage or cynical about marriage. But, well, can I encourage you to keep looking to the divine marriage? That's, that's the key. And that's why we hold human marriage so, so important because that points to the divine. And we value and treasure human marriage. We want our human marriages in, in our church to flourish. And if you're single and you desperately would love to be married, well, can I assure you that, um, yes, it's a good gift, but you're not missing out because Jesus shows us that that's not the be-all and end-all. Because honestly, you can never tell another sinner, you complete me. As much as I love that line when he drops it, uh, you just can't because you don't need another sinner, you actually need a saviour. And God has made you for a greater love, a greater joy. He's made you for himself. And humanity was not ultimately made to be married to itself but to its God. And even if you have a lovely spouse, um, praise God, but that the loveliness of your spouse is just an echo of God's loveliness. Only God can complete us. So there you go. Human marriage points forward to the ultimate marriage. But actually, when we understand the ultimate marriage, it actually helps shape our human marriages. So the ultimate marriage becomes the pattern for our human marriages. Uh, There's sort of the blueprint when you can study the plans of how Jesus loves the church. Now, as husband and wife, we both follow Jesus' example. 
That is his unconditional commitment to sinners. And um, both husband and wife seek to commit unconditionally to um, their spouse. Um, And the reason why is because husbands and wives are both flawed and sinners. And so as we look at how Jesus is faithful to us, then we reflect that faithful, uncommitted love to uh, one another. And so in marriage, both husband and wife are to be like Jesus. They're to seek to be like Jesus, to live out this unconditional commitment to each other. Um, When I marry couples, um, I ask them to memorise their vows or I will not marry them. No, that's not true. Sorry, I was trying to string that out a bit. Um, But I do encourage them to memorise their vows. That's actually the point of what they're doing. Uh, That's the heart of their marriage. Um, I want them to take note of the shape of the promises. Now, you, lots of you have been to marriages and weddings, so I'm going to just say some of the vows and I'll get you to just say them out to me. To have and to hold from this day forward for better, great, for worse, for richer, poorer, in sickness and in health. Great. The promises don't have exclusion clauses and they're promises that you make to the other person not expecting them to do anything. And that reminds us of the gospel. Uh, I remember a couple marrying and um, as soon as he got married, bang, into debt. Hex, hex debt of his, of his fiancée. Um, uh, he took on his spouse's university fee debts. But that's, that's it, isn't it? You kind of go into marriage and you take the worst. That's what you promised to do. And Jesus Christ, he, he comes into a relationship with you taking on your worst, your sin. Jesus doesn't come to you and say, pull up your socks and then I'll save you. And the trick is, well, because the reason why these vows are so important is because, well, um, when we try, you know, when we're trying to woo someone, we put on our best front, don't we? We hide our flaws. We try to make sure we look good, we behave well, we're a good catch, of course. But then you get married and, boy, you're not a good catch. Uh, I think sometimes when we uh, fall in love, you know, we fall in love with our spouse and we we think, oh, boy, they're so fantastic, they're so flexible, they're so laid back. And then you get into marriage and that becomes, I'm really frustrated by your inability to make decisions. Before marriage, maybe you fall in love and say, oh, how it's so wonderful we never fight. Bang, married, fight. It, marriages don't, you can't hide in marriage. And so we need that unconditional commitment of each other that Jesus shows us to be there um, even when we're at our worst. So husbands and wives follow the example of Jesus' unconditional commitment But also, husbands are to love their wives like Christ. That is, to lay down their lives for their bride. Have a look at Ephesians 5, verse 24. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her uh, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word 
and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Uh, I want to speak to uh, husbands and maybe potential husbands. Husbands, you to be like Jesus, who sacrificed himself um, for the benefit of his bride. Jesus' love for the church is the model for husbands, and it's the and the purpose and and goal is uh, to love self-sacrificially for the sake of what's best for your wife. So husbands should be utterly, utterly committed to the total well-being, especially their spiritual welfare of their wives. And so what does this mean? Well, actually, self-sacrifice of the husband rules out any bullying, and it, as we've heard, it rules out any violence and arrogance. Husbands are not to be harsh with their wives. They're to cherish their wives, care for them, never demanding, never manipulating, not brushing over their wives' worries and anxieties and never domineering and controlling. Yes, they're to use their strength, but never to get their own way, but using their strength to serve. Husbands are to take the initiative and responsibility to seek the best for their wives and to put their, lay their lives down. I think it's easy as men in particular, I think one of our default sins is we love to avoid responsibility, shirking responsibility. And we might do that by taking on more at work or spending excessive time in hobbies. But it does take real guts to give of oneself. And Christopher Ashe in his book says this, Husbands require real guts and efforts to give ourselves in loving, serving leadership of our wives so that through our love they may become even more beautiful inside. That's husbands. And what about wives? Well, as we saw in verse 24, wives should seek to be like the church in marriage. As the church submits to Christ, the wife submits to her husband. Now, the word submit, that has negative connotations. And this passage has been abused and misused, twisted. And so it's understandable why the word submit might cause um, people to find that difficult. But you notice as well, 21, verse 21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ is actually, well, that's a good thing. And actually submitting um, is not necessarily always negative. It can be really positive. You know, when musicians follow the conductor, when players execute coaches' instructions. And I think one of the lovely things about um, the church's submission to Christ, it's wholehearted, it's willing, and it's voluntary. It's never forced. And the reason why it's wholehearted, willing and voluntary is because of how good Jesus is. He always and will always do what's best for us. Even when we're not sure or we don't like what Jesus says, submission to Christ is not forced upon us. I I just love how in the Gospels Jesus says, come and follow me. And so as followers, we choose to submit ourselves to the rule of our Saviour, Jesus, in everything. And so in the same ways, wives can submit to their husbands voluntarily and willingly. Now, of course, husbands will never love their wives perfectly. 
And if a husband ever asks a wife to do something sinful, then in my opinion, wives, I don't think you ought to submit because that doesn't honour Christ. But positively, wives are to respect and encourage their husbands when they do take initiative to lay down their lives for them. And a wife must not simply try to get her own way, always determining or what is to be done, trying to exercise independence for her husband, but neither should she be a doormat. And in any healthy marriage, it's, it's, it's a team game. And wives, you're encouraged to ask questions, give input. Um, my experience as a mind reader is pretty shocking. Um, and I suspect not many husbands are great mind readers. And so... Uh, we need to be speaking with our wives, listening to them, encouraging them to, to give their opinion and going from there. And husbands, I just want to reiterate, um, because um, to submit is a willing response, you must never force your wife to submit to you. That's not your job. You just get on with laying down your life. That's your job. Well, we've seen human marriages, um, we pattern them on the ultimate marriage. That's our blueprint. Because marriage can be wonderful, but it can be a very long, hard journey. Because when marriage, in marriage, you're just joining two sinful people. And so you expect there to be conflict, a clashing of heads, bad habits will appear, history will need to be overcome, and fears from the past dealt with. And marriage will show you a level of sin you just cannot get away from. And when you marry, you never marry Mr. Right or Mrs. Right. Let's just erase that, okay? There's no perfect spouse. The only perfect spouse has got to be Jesus. The only Mr. Right is Jesus. So knowing that only Jesus can fill your deepest longings and knowing that marriage is a gift of God, I just want to maybe talk to, to, to those who really would love to be married. Um, I, I, I think the question we want to ask is, what do you look for in a potential spouse? Um, now, first of all, I just want to say, um, if human marriage looks forward to the ultimate marriage, then surely you want to look for a spouse who holds the relationship between him and or her with Jesus as the ultimate thing. I think that's um, a good start. And you know what? I'm not actually going to answer any more of that question because I think there's a better question. What kind of spouse should you be? Christ has made both men and women in the church holy and blameless. So how can you become even more of who you are, holy and blameless? If you read Ephesians 5, the first half is about walking in the way of love, living as children of the light, and so the question is, are you entertaining the fruitless deeds of darkness? Are there particular areas that you need to be working on? Anger, uh, maybe that's more geared to men, but not, not just men. Greed, sexual immorality, and pornography. I mean, that's destructive to any sexual relationship in marriage. Um, how can you be growing in holiness and blamelessness because that's who you are. That's you as the bride. And I think maybe um, when it comes to words, and I don't want to stereotype, but I think, um, uh, you know, maybe women 
How are you using your words? Uh, Gossip, slander, uh, that's not just exclusive to women, but of course for men as well. How are you using your words? How do you go at keeping your promises? Uh, That's what marriage is, it's keeping your promises. So if you're terrible at keeping your promises, that's an area to be thinking about. If you want to prepare for marriage, how can you keep being the person Jesus has made you to be? But particularly for the men, if you're going to lay down your life, practice serving others. Look for and embrace responsibility and work on gentleness. And as, as brothers and sisters, who, maybe single brothers and sisters, well, generally men and women honour each other as co-heirs, equally valuable in Christ. No one is a second grade citizen. And my encouragement, if you want to know how to do marriage, do ministry together. Men and women learning to work alongside each other in making disciples. And as you work alongside each other, with, you start to work out, okay, you're a little bit different, I'm a little bit different, but we're all on the same gospel team. How do we work this out? And lastly, if you're a, if you're a woman, maybe um, it can be easy to mock men's attempts to care, you know, like, oh man, good, good job, good try. But if, they, if, if a man has a, an attempt to care, uh, encourage them when they take up responsibility and initiative to serve, I think they'll, um, they'll, they'll be encouraged to keep doing that. Well, let's finish off. I just want to summarise. Husbands and wives, we both follow Jesus' example to be unconditionally committed to each other despite each other's flaws and sin. But we've also seen husbands lay down their lives like Jesus, wives submit to their husbands like the church. But it's very, there's a very real possibility this sermon may have been incredibly difficult for you to listen to. Maybe you've been divorced, maybe you struggle with singleness, or you have an unbelieving spouse, or just unhappily married. Look, whether this is you or even if you are happily married, we all need to keep doing the same thing, and that's looking to the ultimate marriage. That's the marriage we should all be looking forward to. And have, take a look at these wonderful words in Revelation chapter 19, verse 7, talking about the, the wedding of the Lamb. Uh, it says, Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come. And then in verse 9, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. Keep looking to that. But lastly, have you actually accepted your invitation to the ultimate wedding where Jesus stands as the ultimate bridegroom? And so if you're not a Christian, if you haven't said yes to Jesus, Jesus offers himself to you today. As you picture him on the cross, his vow to you is for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, through death and beyond, He is yours if you'll only just have him. Isn't that wonderful? Let's pray. Thanks, Father. That human marriage uh, joyfully points to the ultimate marriage. Uh, The ultimate marriage where our deepest longings um, will be satisfied in Jesus Christ. Where we, we will be not only complete, 
but um, we will find ourselves uh, in him and him alone. But we thank you for the good gift of marriage. Please help those who are married here to continue to pattern their marriage on the ultimate marriage. And for those who are um, desiring marriage, would you provide? But help us all to keep looking to uh, the ultimate marriage to come. Amen.